Clit Talk is now on Patreon. If you're a fan of our show and get value out of our podcast, please consider becoming a patron. There are so many ways we would love to expand the Clit Talk Vampire, like hosting community events, creating inspirational videos, and who knows, maybe even someday go on tour. Patreon is a monthly subscription-based crowdfunding platform. In exchange for your support, we're going to offer you some super sexy VIP experiences. Like, we promise you'll have an orgasm every day for the rest of your life. Um, no sugar, we can't promise them that. But we can promise exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private Patreon-only discussion groups, live monthly calls with our cast, and then some. Go to our website, clittalkshow.com, for more information. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow. Bring your pussies to the show. Buckle up, clitorati. This episode is going to be one hell of a ride. Today, we're going to be discussing the historical attack on the female libido. According to Sex at Dawn, the perspective of evolutionary psychologists is this. Women are choosy and reserve sex. Sex is all about security, not about physical pleasure. While on the other hand, men spend their energy impressing women with fame, status, and power, you know, to convince coy females to part with their closely guarded sexual favors. So... In this episode, we're going to look at whether these evolutionary psychologists are just plain right, or are they just dudes from the olden days when men had zero idea how to please a woman? So we begin with a quote from an infamous masturbation expert, Dr. William Acton, in 1875. He says, The best mothers, wives, and managers of households know little or nothing of sexual indulgences. As a general rule, a modest woman seldom desires any sexual gratification for herself. She submits to her husband only. Ugh, fuck you. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> 1875. That guy. I would never suck his dick. So, so you guys, seriously, up until around the 1940s, female sexual desire was considered an illness, a fucking illness called hysteria. That makes me angry. They cured it through medical masturbation where doctors would either, they started with manual stimulation and then got tired of that and invented vibrators to bring women to orgasm. Not to mention the witch burning, the chastity belts. Like, honestly, what the fuck? Let's discuss this topic. And not let's not get hysterical about it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, they actually did clitorectomies on little girls who were caught in the act back in the day. And oh by the time God. they realized that this guy ended up committing suicide, I think, this doctor. and But by that time, it was too late. Like, these little girls had had this surgery to remove their clit. Just got all these clitless cunts running around all over the place. Yeah, I mean, Wait, it he was killed, a really he, long time he ago. He killed himself because he felt bad? I don't know if he felt bad. Yeah, I had to hold my my pussy for a minute when he said clitorectomy. I know, it's Jeez. crazy. I knew that one time, I think it was in New York or somewhere, there was an actual museum where they laid out all the various vibrators since the beginning of time. Oh all the God, ones really? that are left, like ancient <laughs> ones. And some of them were huge, like, like, a, like a vacuum cleaner. 
Really? Like big ones, right? Yeah. Like all metaled out and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting when I saw that well, online. They, they used to just kind of like suck, mm-hmm. right? They would like suck. Oh. Some of the earliest ones, it was like a long device that would kind of like suck. Like a vacuum. <laughs> like, a, like a vacuum your pussy. Oh my god! Yeah. So you were saying that the doctors were manually doing it at first, mm-hmm. Lindsay, and then you were telling me earlier before the recording that their hands got so cramped up. Yep. That they couldn't do it anymore, yeah, like, so that's how they invented the— Yeah, like Victorian doctors, like 1800s, so to manage the mass hysteria that women were having, they would manually stimulate them, like with their hands, but the doctors are cramping up because they're seeing so many women. Mm-hmm. And so the doctors literally invented vibrators as a medical tool that they could use instead of their hands. So since the women were actually paying the doctors to do this, then the doctors were like old-time prostitutes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're Basically, Victorian whores, male whores. (laughs) That's hilarious to think about. The part that really intrigued me was there's this whole list of ailments that they said helped when they would relieve the women Mm -hmm. in terms of like when the woman had orgasm. And they were things like um, seizures, seizures, headaches. Uh, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, what else? Some kind of like fluid retention in the b- lower area. There was quite a, like a whole list, mm-hmm. right, of different things. But they never got cured because they just had to keep getting, you know, fingered or, you know. <laughs> well, they would only get they masturbated getting... when they went to the doctor. Right. Like, so their doctor would finger blast come. them like once a month. Literally. <laughs> Look how far we've come. I know. Now we're doing 12 days of masturbation. Right. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. But can you imagine the the like pain and the historical like ancestry that women carry that you were called hysterical and that you had some sort of mental illness if you wanted to pleasure yourself? Because you were horny. Right. This is so funny because the other day I've been masturbating before bed next to my husband at night because I he doesn't want to have sex every single night. He's got a big job. He's tired sometimes. And... So I'll, 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 we have an agreement where I masturbate next to him. And it's like every night that we wouldn't have sex. And so the other night I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to masturbate. He's like, okay, let's cuddle. And I'm like, remember, masturbating first. He's like, wow, you masturbate a lot. <laughs> like, what the fuck is your definition of a lot? It's like, right, right. it's like before bed. What do you mean? And it's like, what, like that feeling of being hysterical for being so horny. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been a lot hornier being pregnant. <laughs> oh, good. I have to like masturbate all like every day is like really abnormal for me when it's like I never did it, mm-hmm. but it's like five times a week, which is a lot for me. You're like a whole different person. Than I know. You were a year ago, I keep buying all these toys because <laughs> they're so fun. That's oh <laughs> horny, mama. Love I know. It. it was actually like I think they said of the first, there were like the first appliances to hit America. It was the sixth appliance that was ever created. <laughs> like, what does that tell people? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it was needed, but they were just had so misinformed. I did also remember from the book they were saying something like, I want to say like 43% of women have sexual dysfunction in this country, and yet Viagra, you know, purchases are skyrocketing. Well, that's also like technically a sexual dysfunction. You know, needing Viagra, right? Yeah. yeah they're the hysterical ones. <laughs> no, but it's like almost equal, like the amount of libido, you know, that we're trying to fill. 
There's another kind of hot topic in this section of the book that I wanted to make sure we talked about. Do you feel women's libidos are naturally less than a man's? Because that was really, I mean, they literally thought women had no libidos then. It was hysteria. But then it it developed into, do you think that women have a naturally less libido than men? Or do you think it's a product of thousands of years of oppression of sexual of sexual desire for women. Do you think it is true? Because I, I would say like today, like that's even still kind of a thought that women have less of a libido than men. If you ask a lot of, I think especially older generations, like that, that, that they would say that that's true. What do you guys think? I think if you asked Sugar, she would say. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly how to answer this, but I do think that there is some truth to it. Until I was pregnant, I was not nearly as horny as Ethan. And when you're pregnant, I've been reading articles because he hasn't been, he's actually concerned in reading all these articles because he's like, the things that turn me on before, like don't turn me on. And men's testosterone, when they're in a relationship with a woman who's pregnant, their testosterone actually does lower so it changes their libido. So, and where the woman, pregnant woman skyrockets, you know. Um, but before I was pregnant, I was not nearly as horny as Ethan was. I wasn't as interested in sex. Well, it's, all it's the time. interesting, right? Because so there's a, there's a sexologist named Rosemary Basson, um, and she measured. So there's all different types of desires, right? But for a long time, everyone thought it was just one desire. So she measured spontaneous desire for years and was only there was only one type of relevant desire and that responsive or triggered sexual response is much more important for women. Mm. So women crave... So basically it concluded that women are every bit as sexually arousable as men it's just we crave things like adventure and actually like differentiation between partners is something that actually like in these studies that she did found that aroused women like spontaneity and like adventure and different things like that. I actually hope that I keep how horny I am like after <laughs> I'm done being pregnant because yeah. there's something to spending time with myself that makes me hornier and enjoy sex more and overall more relaxed and I think happier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah. hope that I keep that afterwards. Mm-hmm. From my experience, I feel like the more I masturbate, the hornier I am. So if I'm masturbating, I find my I get hornier more often versus when I don't masturbate, I'm not as horny. Mm. So Nurse Katie, you said a year ago, you're hornier now. You're also masturbating more often. Mm-hmm. So that might be a reason why you want sex more now. Mm-hmm. You got some hormones raging through you too. But I think that question, if we really did a real study where you took a male and a female and everything about their environment and their upbringing and they didn't have religious context around it, they didn't have parental uh, shame around it, if you just let them grow completely free, I'm going to say that male and females have very, very similar libidos. Of course, there's different things like uh, hormones, you know, Mm -hmm. DNA, actual DNA. But overall, I think you're right, Lindsay, that in terms of ability to be aroused, Mm -hmm. we're sometimes we're aroused different as men as as men and women. But I think we're just as capable of being so horny as men. I'm feeling what you guys are saying. I want to bring in a little bit of a different perspective here, which is women— can orgasm over and over and over and over again, right? If we just look at this, where for most men, 
And if you're one of those men who can like come two or three times in a row, fuck you. I want to fuck you. Just kidding. <laughs> and uh, no, you're not. For most women, there is a, uh, for most women who can orgasm, you can continue to orgasm throughout, you know, being uh, stimulated. And that says a lot to me that, okay, maybe we do have more of a sex drive because biologically we're created to, we're our bodies are designed to be able to keep coming if we so want to go on that journey. So I would argue to say that women, women are much hornier than men, but that it's societal oppression that has had them disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing is it takes men like two seconds to become aroused. It takes the average woman 20 minutes. So I think for many years, women just weren't even given the opportunity to get turned on. I don't know. I keep trying all these sex toys on my own, and I'm done. I'm good to go 15 minutes later. Yeah, well, 50, the the average man comes in like four minutes. Yeah. But she's talking about with a partner, not yeah. with a toy. Yeah. With a partner, it definitely takes me a lot longer. Yeah, yeah with longer. a toy, I could get there in like three minutes. Yeah. I think what you're saying, sugar, makes a lot of sense because what I tend to do is that after I've had sex and then I go and take a shower— Sometimes I get the shower head out and do it one more time for myself while I'm cleaning up because nice. it wasn't enough yeah. in the bedroom. So, yeah, we were able to orgasm as many times if we're not too tired as we want to and we feel aroused. And men can't really. Pretty much when men basically squirt, they're done. Right. They're mm -hmm. like tired. They're sleepy. Sometimes I'll go a second time if they're super aroused and it's. You know, you're new in the relationship, but overall, they can only go once. So, I do, I agree with you. I think women have more libido. Yeah. I'm going with that. I heard you say something funny. You're like, when men squirt, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I think you mean when men, when men come, but that was great. My mom actually taught me that. She's like, make sure you get yours first, because once they come, they're done. And they're always like, I Stop. love that your mom said she that She told me to that you. when I was like 15. She's like, I know you're not having sex yet, but when you do, you need to know this. Like, <laughs> That is such a good tip. It is a good tip. So I love Christopher Ryan and Caselda Jeffa for this one question that they asked. So it's an argument on the female libido. It's a historical attack. That That's kind of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, and then we mentioned like the chastity belts and the witch burnings. Like a lot of the witch burnings were from women who were s sexual or promiscuous, if mm -hmm. you if you would say. And witchy um, woman. <laughs> and um and they posed this question of why the electrified high security razor wire fence to contain a kitty cat. Like why all these things? Why they have to do all these things if if they're saying that the female libido is weak. And low, mm. but then they're putting all these things on us, all these restrictions on us. Like, why? You know, it's like they knew, but they didn't want us to experience the pleasure. Well, I mean, so if you look at the history of sexologists, right? Like, starting in in 1833, you've got you know Carl Frederick. And it takes you about another 25 people, including like Sigmund Freud and Alfred Kinsey, before you arrive at a single female name. Mm -hmm. and, that was, mm -hmm. and that was Mary Calderon, and that wasn't until 1904. But back to your question, yeah, Katie. Mm -hmm. I think we, you know, I had discussed it a bit with uh, Melody Willow before we got here today. And we were saying that when women are in their power— when they really understand pleasure and they're getting joy and satisfaction, that they're not controllable. 
Mm-hmm. So for men, it's scary. That kitty cat becomes actually a lioness, right? Mm-hmm. Because she has her power. So why, why would you allow women as men? Because if a woman is easily aroused and she loves sex, then she may go have sex with that other guy down the street and get pregnant. And now the man is going to have to go to work and care for that baby, the husband, the whole life, not knowing that that's not his kid. Mm. So these chastities belts and these religious concepts really have to do with this agricultural change and religion in terms of this is my possession now. Mm-hmm. This is my legacy of my DNA. So the man wants his child to be in that woman. So we need to shut down her sexual pleasure. So that's where the barbed wire really comes from, I think. Mm-hmm. And, well, bef- yeah. and before agric- agriculturalism, it was called egalitarianism. And that's when everything was equal. Yeah. And everything was shared and everyone had multiple sexual partners. And there were even matriarchies, you know, and... So it's it's interesting the impact that agriculturalism had on well, women. It's, and it's, so it's not like historically they didn't know because back when it was tribal living, they knew women had libidos and it was, uh, you know. Like, celebrated. It was celebrated. So this knowledge was literally stifled and shoved down. And like somewhere along the way, men decided to have this this historically like covered up. And, and like a scare tactic so that, that we could be controlled, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we as sexual beings, I think what we've all found is the more in, connected and tapped into our, the, our pleasure and personal power we are, the more powerful we are. Mm-hmm. We've all seen these transformations in our lives from career to family to health. It's been to, to, to being able to take new approaches in life. I mean, half of us were like, closeted you know (laughs) so I think it really goes to show when people are connected to their pleasure they have a heightened sense of personal power and ambition so of course as people you know the the institution of religion all of a sudden sees oh fuck all these people are really powerful we need to control society the first place you go is sexuality because that, that's that's a huge source for people's personal empowerment. Hey there, Clitorati. It's Katie. So you all know I'm a nurse and Clit Talk for me is a health conversation. I really want to take a minute to share a product with you that has made a huge difference in my life. Foria Wellness Awakened CBD Lubricant. Remember that. I use it multiple times per week and this is coming from the woman who never used to masturbate. Not only has it enhanced my new masturbation lifestyle, it's eased the pain I used to have during sex and my husband is super happy because our bedroom play is so much more fun. So I personally reached out to Foria Wellness to see if they would partner with Clit Talk and they were an overwhelming yes. So now you can get a discount on their fabulous products by going to our brand new pleasure store at clittalkshow.com. All their products are there. And if you're interested in trying them out for yourself, use the discount code CLITTALK10 for 10% off your purchase. I can't recommend them enough. So do yourself a favor and get your pussy high. And just something really cool from chapter two that I loved is they broke down the word esposa. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they said it literally translates to wife and handcuffs. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Talk about like, you know, the ball and chain and all these things that they refer to women and men have bachelor parties because it's like their last hurrah to be with one woman for the rest of their life, you know? Imagine how many kids would have been saved from all the religious leaders, Catholic priests, Mm. on and on from the beginning of religion till now, little kids have been used for sex. If those, even those men 
their sexuality wasn't oppressed by saying they can't have sex or they can't get married. Exactly. It's the same exact thing, whether it's a male or a female, when you oppress this natural tendency that's part of being human. It wasn't just women who were oppressed. It was men too, for sure. Yeah, that's that's the next episode. We're bringing men in here to talk about their side of the story. So don't worry, guys oh, out there. They're, they're coming in. So I wanted to actually, like, going back to an earlier point from evolutionary psychologists, do you guys think that you're using sex to snag yourself a partner who can provide basic resources for you and your offspring, or are you fucking for the sheer pleasure of it? Do you th- Or do you think there's something in the middle? Fuck no, I love to fuck. <laughs> I think there's something in the middle. If I'm being honest, I mean, like, I'm being honest. do you, do you want to fuck a poor guy? No. But I didn't grab a poor guy. Okay, I fucking see your point. Now. Yeah, my point. So, I know. Okay, so, <laughs> I know. So there's a. It's a little like you. You don't want to fuck a sure. broke. Like no, I don't want no scrub. That's yeah. what we've been taught. So like then, if we're being a little honest, we're '90s here. babies. Yeah. You know, but and and so when when I picked my partner to be monogamous with, I definitely looked for attributes. Right now that I'm in a monogamish relationship, I noticed that I don't look for those things in other partners. Because you already because I already it. have my primary partner. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So when I, and it's kind of similar for me too. Like when I was younger and dating, fucked a lot of broke musicians because they were hot and passionate, and I wasn't looking to settle down. So it shifted for me when I actually got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm looking for my life partner. I got really specific about the things I wanted because, and I don't know if it's conditioning or if it's, I definitely want to make sure like. When I have kids, then my kids have a good life and, you know, and, and that my partner can take care of the family if, like, God forbid something were to happen to me or, you know what I mean? So I think there is a little bit of truth in it. Well, there's but biology. Know, yeah. Biology is a big factor when you're attracted to somebody kind of unconsciously what you're attracted to is, are they youthful? Um you know, do they look healthy? Do they look like their DNA is strong enough so when you combine the DNA, the kid can thrive? Yeah. These things are biological tendencies we have. And of course, for women, historically and even today, when we look at the world's resources and we look who controls the majority, vast majority of resources in the world, it's still men. Yep. So if you want your kid to be able to eat and go to a good school and go to doctors— Naturally, you want to look for someone who has either has those resources or has a lot of potential to get those resources. But I think when you're really young, I was really young when I met my husband, that I wasn't thinking that at all consciously, but I did fall in love. But Tammy, do you do you really think it's a biological thing or do you think culture has like conditioned us? Conditioned us to try to find partners that have resources. Yeah, or do you think it literally is a biological thing within us as primates? Yeah, I think it it is. And I think the biology matches with the consciousness as we get older and older and we're really ready to have kids. So at me being 19, meeting a man, I wasn't thinking about kids at all or buying a house or any of that crap you got to do. I was really, I fell in love with a friend. You know, so that wasn't in my picture. Mm. But naturally, if you're getting in your 30s, why wouldn't you think that way? 
You know, because also with money comes education. So you have like mutual things you can talk about. So if you were educated and they're educated, right? I mean, those things become factors too. So like you said, uh, Katie, I don't, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's not one or the other. For me, like when Ethan and I first met, we split everything. And I, as we're talking about this though, I mean, I'm 34 now. Ethan's been wanting to have kids for a really long time. And I just wasn't willing to because I wasn't sure. We both work in entertainment, so nothing was ever super stable until recently. That was a big factor that kind of pushed me over that and my family moving to LA and just having more resources and support and community. Um, But all of that played a factor looking back now where I don't, I wasn't comfortable bringing a kid into the world, especially to live in LA where it would disrupt what I was capable of doing, you know, (laughs) but being honest, it's so funny. I feel so like, ashamed a little bit that this is how how I feel. (laughs) I know. I'm like, because I didn't consciously think of any of this. I'm not like, I didn't look at Ethan, but he had the potential. I always saw the potential for him to be really successful, but it wasn't ever guaranteed. He's a musician. But what's what's really great now is that women right now in the U.S. are the largest uh, market for buying homes now, single women. That's the rising population that's buying a lot of homes, single Mm -hmm. women, because now we're working and we're working longer and we're getting older. So we have cash. So women now have, some women now have the choice of marrying whoever they want. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a stay-at-home dad. Maybe a man who doesn't want to go out and make money. So there's a lot more opportunity now to go away from the biology Mm -hmm. or these ideas of resource, you know. Yeah, and I guess looking back, Ethan, I've really taken turns, like where one of us was making more than the other, and we've always kind of like balanced it out since we got married, Um, but before we split everything. Well, and I can say like, that sounds a lot better to me because I've dated really wealthy men and they they can hold that over your head if you yeah. don't make as much money as them like there's a real um control there sometimes not everybody but it's happened to me before and i think that i think it is important for women to like have their own financial independence in the state age it only gives you power and empowerment because you don't want to be in a like i think like going back and forth and like a real partnership but if a real partnership's not there and someone's like holding that over your head like that's not fair either for sure. And you, Melody Willow, would you look for a man just for money? Or what is the, What's the criteria? What's your honest answer? Yeah. Um, my honest answer is, well, it's talking about being a future mother. I'd want to make sure that my child is protected in every way. So whether it's my family living near me or having enough money to be able to survive, I want to make sure that my child is taken care of. I want to make sure that I'm protecting my child. So would I fuck a man for money? Because of his money? Not necessarily. It's not a yes and no answer, but do I want my the father of my child to be um, capable of protecting and taking care of his child? Yes, absolutely. So... And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no no shame in that, right? Well, it's how it used to be, right? Because this question kind of stems from when men went out and hunted and really provided all the resources and the women took care of all the children and ran the tribe and kept everything going there. I mean, this is where this 
biologically stems from, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So and that's whether they, it's money or if it's nuts and wood and going and getting shelter, it's the same. I think it's the same thing. And I think why we get so fucked up with this topic is because of this notion of of till death do us part. So there's like, I have to pick the right partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're yes. li- it's ludicrous. That's a good point. You know, we're living longer, living to our 80s or 90s. So if you really actually only need a partner to inseminate you and help you raise a child and get a house and feed them, and once they're off to college, do you really need to be together? Especially if you're not in love? I don't know. I mean, what's interesting about these porn statistics? Weren't you telling me, Sugar, about the porn statistics? Mm -hmm. What was it? The porn industry generates more revenue than CBS, NBC, and ABC combined, and to this day. Yeah. Hmm. And so if you think about what's available on porn, it's like just runs the gamut, right? There's like all kinds of different subject matters and different people and what they're doing. And this kind of getting the ability to watch something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have that innately in us. We like adventure. We like new things. Novelty is important. So if you're with somebody 20 or 30 years, where's the fucking novelty anymore? You got to work really hard at it. But obviously, the consumption of novelty and porn tells you that innately as human beings, we desire it. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. goes against the idea of monogamy, that our basic instinct is to always look for something new or fresh, especially in the realm of sexuality. Yeah, I don't know that we even started, you know, uh, concerning ourselves with the idea of needing to find uh, that that person because we've discussed tribal living. It wasn't, yes, you wanted protection, but it, it didn't matter like who the father was, right? But now it's like we got to pick that one partner. and. I think that with the seismic cultural shifts, going back to what we talked about with agriculturalism, um, that this this world of opportunity sexually got covered up by science and religion. And Mm -hmm. we're really like pulling back the layers of the onion here and questioning the— what we've always been told. Like, you're going to grow up and meet your Prince Charming and live happily ever after. And it's like, well, what if I want to grow up and fucking be gay and marry a woman and, you know, have a On surrogate. my own business. Yeah. <laughs> and have a baby with a woman, like, and 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 have, have someone, a surrogate, like, host it for me and own my own business. I mean. Well, we were talking a lot about women's libidos and a lot of, a lot of studies show, like, some of the biggest killers of a woman's libido is over-familiarization and desexualization. It really kills a woman's libido. And, you know, it's, you know, a couple lives together, their libidos match, you know, then after maybe like a year, two, maybe three, like, you know, it, what tends to happen is the woman's desire drops more quickly than the man's. And at that point, the woman's thinking like, oh, I don't like sex anymore. But what's really happening, in fact, is that she's having a hard time with monogamy. Like, it's actually like a lot of studies show that a lot more women struggle with it more than men because women tend to get bored with one partner quicker than men based on these studies. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's really important. Like, you know, there's many women that they don't want to step out on their relationship and they don't want to leave. And I think that, you know what, we're not looking to give people permission to cheat or to even like say you have to be non-monogamous, but I think that it's okay 
I want to leave women with and men too. Like it's okay if you don't want to be monogamous. I think that is part of it that you get bored of the person. Yeah, but I sure. just read this awesome meme the other day on social media, <laughs> and it said, "Imagine being so shitty in bed that you genuinely believe that women don't enjoy sex." Mm. So the other factor is maybe you find a partner that doesn't think you like sex, but what what it really is, is he ain't turning you on. He's not taking enough time. He's not gentle enough. He's not asking you. You're not researching. You're not bringing toys in. You're not doing a damn yeah. thing. And you're doing the same damn thing once a week or once every two weeks or once a month after year 10. Maybe it's once every four months, it you and your husband Yeah, it fucking. doesn't have to be non-monogamy with other people. Like, a lot of women, like especially women in their 40s and 50s studies say like they've never used a vibrator before. And you can you can excite yourself, Katie, and have just as much fun with toys with yourself. Like it the answer doesn't have to be other partners, but you it is something I think you need to like be conscious of and work at if you like you're not having sex with the same person for 30 years is gonna get boring at some point. For everybody, unless you work at it, like anything else. Seven-year itch. Yeah. That's what they call it. Exactly. I think that goes with anything in a relationship. Like, you have to continuously work on it and nurture the relationship to keep it alive and keep that, you know, flame going. And if men knew, if they really believe their partners have just as strong libidos as them, Mm -hmm. if they believe that, if they didn't just write it off like, well, women don't really like sex. You know, but if they really believed it, that their wives or their partners really like it just as much, I think men really get off on pleasing their partners. Mm -hmm. So it's up to women, too, not just to go, my husband or boyfriend sucks, or I wish I had another boyfriend. It's been three years now. You know, but you yourself find a way to bring out your own pleasure and your own joy and your own excitement, your own heat. Well, I think knowledge is power, right? Like knowing these scientific studies about ourselves, you can like, okay, after three years when this starts to happen, you you know you have options and, and taking the shame out of non-monogamy and taking the shame out of playing with sex toys by yourself is something that can have a relationship be long lasting and beautiful and sexually like fulfilling for people. I think like knowledge is power. So I think, you know, having these studies and reading books like this, no matter what you choose, it's it's really important to know the way our bodies work. I also want to add something to your list of taking the shame out of partners having conversations mm. about this. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't have to be necessarily even a problem. Yeah. Like why not just talk about it and be like, you know, I was listening to Clit Talk the other day and <laughs> like maybe I don't not like sex anymore. Like maybe we just need to like find something that both ter- excites us again and have that be bring some more fun into the I relationship. I really want to fuck you with a butt plug in my ass. Can we just try it? <laughs> you know, that's awesome. When, when Whatever we, it is. <laughs> I really want to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think when we get comfortable, we start to sacrifice our eroticism. And I love the way that was that that phrase was coined in Sex at Dawn. Sacrifice eroticism. Like by default, maybe not by design biologically, but by default from the veil of society uh, and shame, we go into a sacrificial mode. 
where we get comfortable and we stop thinking outside the box and we're thinking inside their box. And I think it's really important to recognize when you get comfortable and to recognize that that's going to get uncomfortable, you know? So that's what happened to you. No, not really. No, I mean, in before you kind of came out, you were frustrated. Oh yeah. You were, you, and you were just relying on your husband to satisfy you. But what it really was for you, sugar, is that you hadn't been authentic with yourself to even be satisfied. And there was nothing your husband could do. Yeah. I wasn't fully embodying that. If we use this term eroticism Mm -hmm. and it was, it was a, it was like a one-lane highway. That was your sacrificing eroticism. Yeah, sacrificing being with a guy only. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, yeah. Well, I think this has been a really amazing and fascinating conversation. And um, I think really the bottom line is like is to be in communication and take the shame out of the things that might seem uncomfortable or not uncomfortable for you and to just get into communication with yourself, with your body. And if you have a partner, with your partner, if you have two partners, with both of your partners, and that anything is really possible if you just really, you know, have the the knowledge and are really in tune to yourself. So get out there and touch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships and world peace and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sorry. uh, It's very much appreciated and thank you.